We want to continue the study series that we started a couple of weeks back, looking at the minor prophets. We have entitled this Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Uh, forgive me for being somewhat redundant, but I'm not always sure whether or not everybody who's here this time was here last time, so it's important that we understand exactly what it is we mean when we say minor prophets. Minor gives the indication that somehow or other the message that is contained within these books is less important, less significant than the messages contained in what we call the major prophets. That would not be correct. They're called minor, these 12 books are called minor because they are generally shorter, briefer uh, than what we call the major prophets, with the exception of Lamentations. Uh, there are five books that are considered major books of prophecy or the books of the major prophets, uh, and that's uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Uh, all of those books are rather large, with the exception of Lamentations, which is only three chapters in length. Uh, but Lamentations is less a, a solo book uh, than it is an appendix to uh, the book of Jeremiah. So it's included in the books of major prophecy. The 12 books of minor prophecy are much more brief than that. So minor refers to the brevity of the book it has nothing to do with the significance of the message contained within the book. For those of you who've been here every time, you've heard me say that every time, I apologize for the redundancy, but it's important that we have that understanding. Uh, we said that we were gonna try to look at these books uh, not in a sequential way, not, not necessarily following the order in which they appear in the Old Testament. I know you, you, you would generally believe that the way it's uh, contained in the ancient Hebrew scripture, uh, that it is chronological, but it is not. Uh, what we come to understand is that uh, the sequence of the books has nothing to do with the chronology of the books that are contained therein. So when we started, we started looking at Obadiah which we uh, said was the oldest of the books, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go from the oldest to the newest. Obadiah was oldest, and then uh, last week uh, we spent time with the book of Joel, uh, the prophet Joel. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. So I invite your attention to Jonah. And we might be in Jonah for a couple of weeks. Jonah is four chapters in length, and uh, we could probably cover Jonah uh, in one night, but I don't think I want to do that. We'll just see how it goes, okay? Uh, but to Jonah, Jonah chapter one, Jonah chapter one. One of the things that's interesting about Jonah, and we find this with a couple of books, Jonah is less about a prophetic message being given to a group of people, uh, which is what we have found in Obadiah and in Joel uh, up to this point. And it is more 
a a metaphor, a a well, I shouldn't call it a parable. It's a story that plays itself out for the benefit of the reader in order to convey a certain message. Jonah doesn't have a speech or a prophetic word that the prophet gives to God's people. In fact, the only message that we see Jonah giving to anyone is to an enemy people. He gives a message to the nation of Assyria in their capital city, Nineveh, telling them that unless there is repentance, God is going to destroy the city. Here's the problem with Jonah, and, 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 and we see this when we get to Hosea, we'll, we'll see something similar to this. Jonah is asked to do something by God that Jonah doesn't want to do. And Jonah goes to great lengths to not do what God tells him to do. And Jonah doesn't want to do it. Listen to this. Jonah doesn't want to do it because Jonah doesn't want to see God be merciful to his enemies. Not to God's enemies, to Jonah's enemies. Chapter one of Jonah is God telling Jonah, you're going to go, I'm sending you to Nineveh to preach against that city, that there might be revival in the city and that the people might be spared. And Jonah says, I ain't going. And he gets on a boat and he heads off someplace else. Chapter two of Jonah, is Jonah has been thrown overboard from the ship and he's been swallowed by a fish. And in the belly of the fish, uh, he prays a prayer of lament. And, and I want to be very clear. He does not pray a prayer of repentance. You go and read Jonah chapter 2. Jonah never says, I'm sorry. Jonah never says, I was wrong. What Jonah says is, I don't like being in the belly of this fish and I want to get out of here. In Jonah chapter 3 is the, the, the fish has spit, at the end of chapter 2, the fish spits Jonah out, and Jonah is, guess where? Right in front of Nineveh. And God tells him, again, go into Nineveh and preach against the city that there might be revival. And with reluctance, based upon the fact that he just had this experience with the great fish, Jonah goes on into the city and he does what he is told to do. And he spent three days going around the city preaching repentance uh, for the people. And the people respond, the king responds, the people respond, the people turn away from idols and turn toward God and they commit themselves to worship the Lord. And all the people are happy except Jonah. And Jonah, and Jonah says to God, this is why I didn't want to come here in the first place. I knew this is what you were going to do. I didn't want you to do this. I wanted you to kill these folk. I wanted you to slay these folk. Now you're not going to slay them. I'm not happy. And then Jonah goes and, and, and he, he walks himself just outside of the city and goes up on a hill and sits. You ever have a child that pouts? I, my, my, my youngest son was, was a great powder, uh, uh, 21 years old now, and sometimes he still pouts. But, 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 but when he was small, he, he, he would pout. 
And we were told, you know, when, when you pout, you just ignore them until they stop pouting. And so he'd fall down in the middle of the floor and, and holler and scream, and we'd just step right over him and go out about our, our business. And when he realized that he wasn't getting any attention, he would get up and come to where you were and then fall out all over again. He wanted to make sure that, that, that he had our attention. Jonah is now in a position of pouting. Jonah goes up on a hill and he sits on a hill and he folds his arms and, and he makes a little camp there and he wants to see what's going to happen to the city. And he's hoping that God relents from his mercy and goes back to the plan of judgment. And he's just going to sit outside and he's just telling God, essentially, I ain't going nowhere till you destroy the city. And then chapter four of Jonah is God sharing with Jonah through certain, a certain sequence of events that happens where uh, a plant grows up because it's very hot. A plant grows up and the plant provides shade for Jonah and Jonah's happy for the shade. And, and, and then uh, something, some, some kind of a weevil or bug gets into the plant and, and it poisons the plant and the plant dies and the leaves go away and then Jonah complains to God about being in the heat. It ain't right God for me to be in all this heat. First of all, ain't nobody tell you to go sit your butt up there on the hill in the first place. But if, if you want to sit up there, then you ain't got no business complaining. And God essentially says to Jonah, you ain't have nothing to do with the plant that grew up. I'm the one who caused the plant to grow up that provided you shade. And you ain't have nothing to do with the weevil or the bug that, that poisoned the plant that caused the plant to die away. All of that is under my control. And if you can cry out for a plant that died, why can't you cry out for a city? that was spared of destruction. Why, why, why can't you, why, it, you were happy when the plant grew up and you were sad when the plant went away. But when it comes to Nineveh, it's just the opposite. You were happy when they were going to be judged and they were going to be destroyed and you're mad now that I'm not gonna do it. And here's the interesting thing about Jonah. I've already told you the whole story. Y'all can go home now. Uh, but but, 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 but he, here's the interesting thing about Jonah. And it's one of the only books in, 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 in the Bible, if not the only book in the Bible, where this is the case. There is no happy ending in Jonah. When, 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 when you read the story, it stops with God asking the question, why can't you be glad for Nineveh? Jonah never says, God, you're right, I should be glad for Nineveh. Jo, 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 Jonah never says, you're right, God, I was wrong. This is your business, not my business. Whatever your will is, that's what I'm going to be having. Jonah never says that. The story ends, the book ends with Jonah mad with God because he let a plant die and he let a people live. Think about that for a second. Put yourself in the place of Jonah. And if you say you can't do it, you ain't trying hard enough. Because all of us have things that we want God to do that are outside the purview of God's will. Everybody in here has somebody. Think hard and don't act like you're so holy that this doesn't apply to you. 
Everybody in here has somebody that you just don't like. Don't care nothing for them. If something happened to them, you wouldn't be all that upset. You, 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 did, you do the obligatory, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. What you want to eat? <clears throat> You'd move on to the next topic. Because all of us feel that, all of us feel like God ought to do things our way. And if God doesn't do things our way, we don't know what to do. We get upset. We get mad. We get, we get angry with God because God chooses to do things his way instead of our way. Jonah is more like us than we want to acknowledge. You want to think that you're more like Job. Naked I came into the world, and naked I shall leave. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of, yeah, yeah, that, that's me. You want to think that you're more like David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. No, that ain't who you are. You know who you are? You're Jonah. You have more in common with Jonah than you're comfortable with or that you should be comfortable with. Jonah is essentially saying, God, I want you to do it my way. And if you won't do it my way, I ain't going to have nothing to do with it. I'm going to back out. It takes a lot of arrogance to tell God, I ain't going to do what you tell me to do. And yet that's exactly what happened. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. But God sent a huge storm at sea, the waves towering. The ship was about to break into pieces. The sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to their gods. They threw everything they were carrying overboard to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone into the hold of the ship to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain came to him and said, what's this? Sleeping? Get up. Pray to your God. Maybe your God will see we're in trouble and rescue us. Then the sailors said to one another, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to identify the culprit on this ship who's responsible for this disaster. So they drew straws. Jonah got the short straw. Then they grilled him. Confess, why this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? He told them, I'm a Hebrew. 
I worship God, the God of heaven, who made sea and land. At that, the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, what on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realized that he was running away from God. They said to him, what are we going to do with you? Get rid to get rid of this storm. By this time, the sea was wild, totally out of control. Jonah said, throw me overboard into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me and you'll get rid of the storm. But no, the men tried rowing back to shore. They made no headway. The storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. Then they prayed to God. Oh God, don't let us drown because of this man's life and don't blame us for his death. You are God, do what you think is best. They took Jonah and threw him overboard. Immediately the sea was quieted down. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. They worshiped God, offered a sacrifice, and made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and nights. All right, let's talk about this. I've pretty much given you a synopsis of the whole book. Let's talk about chapter one. There's some things that we can draw from chapter one that we find interesting. Number one, God gave Jonah a specific command. He told him specifically, go to the city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa, found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare, went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far from God as he could get. Let's start with this. I don't care how far you go, you can't get away from God. Jonah needed to learn some lessons here. Lesson number one is you can't run so far that God can't find you. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell there. There ain't no place you can go where God is not. I, I, I was talking about David uh, not too long ago. Da David asks the question in one of his songs, where can I go from your spirit? Where, where can I go that you are not? He said, if I ascend up into heaven, you are there. But even if I make my bed in hell, you are there. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost part of the deep, even there, you're already there. He says, if I, if I think that I can stay in darkness and darkness will cover me. He says, for you, darkness is light. In other words, it can't get so dark that God can't find you. The point that David was trying to make is, ain't nowhere to go 
where God can't get to you. And you would think Jonah would have known that. Clearly, Jonah had a relationship with God. Jonah recognized that it was God who spoke to him. Jonah recognized that it was God who gave him the directive that he was given. But Jonah said to God, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. And to make sure that I don't do it, I'm going to assert myself. I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to go in the opposite direction from where you told me to go. Jonah's like a lot of us. I know you still think you David or, or, or Moses or somebody. Let me tell you, you, you're more Jonah than you want to admit. God tells you to do something. And you, you say, no, God, I, I ain't doing that. Not when it comes to that person. I can do it when it comes to, to them. But I ain't going to do that. Love who? Bless who? Do good to who? Turn the other cheek for who? Walk a second mile with who? Give up my coat and my cloak to who? Make myself the servant of who? See, you got to fill in the who because you know who who is. Because everybody got their own who. I got a who, you got a who, all God's children got a who. You got somebody. And if I knew their name and I called it, that's the one. <clears throat> And, 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 and so we don't mind doing what God asks us to do as long as it doesn't call for us to do anything beyond the scope of what we think we should be asked to do. When people wrong us and we withhold forgiveness, we're doing counter to what God has told us to do. And part of that stems from the fact that we don't believe that things that happened to us should happen to us. Nobody should treat us this way. Nobody should talk to us this way. Nobody should, should, should act this way toward us. Now, let's be clear. People should not mistreat, disrespect, misuse, abuse anyone. But if you think that you're the first person that's ever been mistreated, or if you think that you're going to be the last person who is ever mistreated, then you're living in a bubble. Mistreatment was going on before you got here. It's been going on the entire time that you're here. It'll be going on long after you're gone. So th this idea that, 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 that it can't happen to me, so I'm, I, I'm going to withhold my forgiveness even though God told us to forgive. Y'all like to recite the model prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You don't like it that way? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. You don't like it that way? Forgive us the wrongs that we do as we forgive the wrongs that have been done to us. Now, I've given it to you three different ways. That's what God expects of us. 
That's no different than this directive. When he tells Jonah, up on your feet and go to the big city of Nineveh, it's a directive. God is not asking Jonah, do you feel like going? He's telling him to go. And when God talks to us about forgiveness, when Jesus teaches on forgiveness, that's not an option. That's a directive. So, so before you say, I ain't Jonah, think about it for a second. And realize how many, just think about how many times the Lord has told you to do something that you didn't do. And I ain't talking about last year. I ain't talking about last month. I ain't talking about last week. I ain't even talking about last night. I'm talking about since you got up this morning. That's, that's too far back for you? Let's go to lunchtime. That, 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 that's still too far back. Let's see, y'all got here at six. Some of y'all did. Uh, so so how, how did you do in the last hour with what the Lord has told you to do? That's all right. You ain't got to say nothing. Your silence speaks for you. Jonah thought he could run from Jonah was going to assert himself, and I'm going to go as far away from God as I can go. Let me ask you something. In biblical history, who has done well running away from God? Na 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 name somebody, please. Jesus tells a parable about two sons, and one son says, give me what's mine, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to go and live the way I want to live. And so the father gives him what he wants and he takes his stuff and he gets up and goes. And before too long, he's broke. All his friends are gone. He's feeding pigs, which for a Jew is the worst thing in the world. And he was so hungry that he was jealous of what the pigs were eating. How did he fare? Okay, well, 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 well that, that, that's a parable. That don't count. Okay, let's talk about Paul for a second. Paul ain't a parable. When he was known as Saul of Tarsus, Paul was a chief persecutor of the church. When you read in the Acts of the Apostles about the stoning of Stephen, the very last thing that is said is that Saul was there and that he was holding the coats of the people as they picked up stones to kill him. And he gave approval to what they were doing. Saul had moved as far away from Jesus as he could possibly go. And he was on his way to Damascus to do damage against the church. And Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, knocked him off of his animal, knocked him to the ground, blinded him, spoke to him out of the blindness and said, why do you persecute me? And, and, and Saul said, who are you? I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. He, he, he goes into the city and he sits there for days in blindness 
And finally, Jesus sends somebody, a man named Ananias, to go to him and, and, and take the scales off of his eyes or, or help the scales to fall from his eyes. And Ananias, like Jonah, Lord, you really want me to go there? You really want me to do this? You know, I, I, I've heard about this fellow. He's a terrible fellow. I, I don't know if you want me to do this or not. And, 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 and Jesus says, I have sent you. This is what I want you to do. And this is what I want you to understand. He needs to understand the things that he's going to suffer for my sake. So I ask you again, who in Scripture do you know who ran away from God and did well? The answer is nobody. Jonah gets on a boat. And, and, and I want you to see, he goes out of his way to disobey God. Says he, he, he went in the opposite direction, found a boat going someplace as far away from where God told him to go as he could go. Paid money to get on the boat. He had to buy a ticket to ride on the boat to go as far away from God as he could get, only to find that when they were on their way, he couldn't get away from God at all. God finds him on the sea. And God finds him in such a way that he doesn't just find him. You know, God could have done this thing another way. God could have just lifted Jonah up off the boat and moved him to where he wanted him to go. But no, God doesn't do that. God causes a storm to come up in the midst of the sea. A terrible storm, a fierce storm. Understand, the boat is being manned by competent, professional, experienced sailors. People who no doubt have sailed through storms. This, this wasn't their first time in a storm, but, th but there was the first time in this kind of storm. And so all of them are wrapped up in this terrible storm. And the sailors are so wrapped up in the storm and so confounded and so frustrated and at some point so frightened that they stop using their expertise and they start praying. Now they don't pray to our God. They pray to their gods. They, they, they were worshipers of idols. But what they recognized was there was something different about this storm. This, ain't, this isn't a normal storm. This isn't a normal uh, experience that we, like, like the many that we've had before. There's something different about this. This came from a different source, and so we need a different source of help. And so they stop what they're doing, and they start praying to their God. I admire them that they were sensitive enough to what was going on to recognize that there was something divine about this. They might not have understood our God, Yahweh, Jehovah, however you want to call him, but they understood that this was something different and that they needed divine help. Ain't it sad that Jonah didn't recognize it? Because the scripture says that while they're praying, Jonah was in the bottom of the boat, sound asleep. Now, for those of you super spiritual folk who are going to say, well, Jonah was just like Jesus. You know, Jesus was in a storm and he was in the bottom of the boat sound asleep. Let me, let me clue you in. Jonah wasn't Jesus. Jesus was asleep because Jesus knew he was going to bring them through the storm. 
Jonah was asleep because Jonah was tired and Jonah was scared and Jonah didn't know what else to do. And Jonah was so unconcerned. Understand now, why are these people in a storm? Because of Jonah. You need to recognize something. Your sin does not just affect you. Other folk get wrapped up in your sin. And it's a low-down fella, if I'm talking about you, just... It's a low-down fella who has no concern about the trouble that you bring into other folks' life simply because you want to have your way. Jonah has these people in the middle of a storm. The boat is being tossed back and forth. They don't know how they're going to make it. They've never been in a storm like this. And they're on their knees on the deck of the boat, praying, asking their God to help them through. And where is Jonah? Sleep. Totally unconcerned. Where'd the trouble come from? Jonah. All these people are caught up in Jonah's mess. Somebody's caught up in your mess. Now, I know, I, I know what you think. You think about you being caught up in somebody else's mess. But just like you caught up in somebody else's mess, somebody's caught up in yours. Because you got a mess, too. You have a psychological mess. You used to call them psychological maladjustments. You, 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 you have a psychological mess. You have an economic mess. You have a habitual mess. Somebody in here got a habit that's causing other people problems. And it's been causing other people problems. You got a drug habit. And you either injecting, or you're snorting, or you're smoking, stuff that is causing not just you problems. It ain't just about you. It's about the money that you stole out of your mama's purse in order to go buy it. It's about them having to sit up at 2 o'clock in the morning wondering where you are when they told you to be at home at midnight. You have brought your mess into somebody else's life. It's about them having to take bail money from mortgage money in order to get your raggedy butt out of jail. And then try to scrape up money to put you in a rehab facility. When you sit up there screaming, I ain't got no problem. You the one with the problem. I ain't got no problem. You're bringing somebody else into your mess. That, 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 that's too graphic for you? Or, or, or that's too bold? That, that's going too far? I don't do drugs. I don't know why you're using that. Okay. You got a health problem. Your blood pressure's too high, your cholesterol is too high, your sugar's too high, and you won't take your medicine. 
And people that want you around, people that care about you, people that love you, are wondering when you're going to stroke out. And how they going to make it when you stroke out because you too lazy or too mean or too stubborn to take your medicine. Is that closer to home for you? You want, you want me to get closer? You eat too much. <laughs> you eat too much. And everything you eat is the wrong thing. And, you, and people come to you and they talk to you and they say, we really want to get your, your weight under control and we really want to help you. Just tell us how we can help you and we're going to help you. And they put you on a diet and you agree to the diet. And then you sneak in Snickers bars in from, from somewhere. Well, I don't know why I'm not losing any weight. Well, baby, <laughs> maybe because you eat bluebell homemade vanilla at two o'clock in the morning. You're bringing other people into your mess. Jonah brought his trouble to other folk and now they're caught up in his mess. Here's the next thing I want you to see. When they approach him and ask him, he don't say nothing about it. The captain goes down and finds him. He's asleep. He says, why, 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 why are you sleeping? You need to get up and pray. What Jonah should have done was get up and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm really the reason why you're in the mess that you're in. But he kept it to himself. Perhaps he thought, and just, just my speculation, the scripture doesn't say, just my speculation, perhaps he thought these people are too incapable of figuring out what the situation is. I'm smarter than they are. I'm slicker than they are. They'll never figure out that it has to do with me. Don't take people for granted. People know more than you give them credit for knowing. Well, I, I ain't gonna talk about it because I don't want to cause nobody no trouble. You're causing them trouble right now. And people aren't crazy, especially people who know you. You think people don't know when something's wrong with you? People ask you 10 times, how you feeling? Is everything all right? I'm fine, I'm fine. And they can tell by the way you say it. You ain't fine. He should have confessed. When he was confronted, he should have confessed. But instead, he makes them go through the process this scripture says, drawing straws. King James Version says, cast lots. I kind of like the casting lots better. Because casting lots means they threw dice. And when they threw the dice, the dice fell on Jonah. 
God caused. What you think you got covered up, God's going to cover. Well, they're, they're throwing dice. There's no way that the dice is going to fall on me. First throw fell right on him. And so now they're all looking at him. All right, man. Fess up. It's time. Fess up. What'd you do? Who are you? Where you from? He finally tells them who he is. He says what it is that he has done. He says that I am a Hebrew. He says that I am a worshiper of the God, the true God, the true and the living God. He, he, he tells them, you worship gods, but I worship God. Now, he says that as though that makes him big, when really what it does is makes him small. Whenever Christian folk give worldly folk the opportunity to point fingers at you and say, you ain't right. You diminish the God you serve. Genesis chapter 11, I believe it is. It's either 11 or 12. Abram and Sarah have been following God into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. But while they were there, a famine hits the land. And Abram decides that he's going to take his household down to Egypt and ride out the famine in Egypt. But on the way down to Egypt, he starts to worry about what might happen to him when he gets there. He says that his wife, Sarah, is a very beautiful woman and very desirable woman. And no doubt, Pharaoh, <clears throat> The, the king of Egypt is going to want you. And, and, and if he finds out that I am your husband, he'll kill me in order to have you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell a lie. I want you to tell Pharaoh, when asked, if asked, I want you to tell Pharaoh that you're not my wife, you're my sister. They go down. Indeed, they see Sarah and they decide Pharaoh wants her and they ask the question and, and Sarah does what her husband asks her to do. And he says, uh, she, she says, I, I'm his sister. And she goes with Pharaoh. And Abram thinks everything is all right. But the scripture says the whole matter did not please God. And before you know it, calamity strikes Egypt. There, there, there's sickness throughout the land. There's trouble throughout the land. And somehow or other, Pharaoh comes to realize that it's about Sarah. And so he brings Sarah back to Abram. And he asks the question, what is this that you have done to me? Why did you lie? And Abram has to admit, I did it because I was scared. I was scared of what you would do to me if you found out that she was my wife and not my sister. In that moment, Abram, a follower of God, gave Pharaoh 
a non-follower of God the opportunity to scold him. You know what Pharaoh told Abram? Take your wife, take your servants, take your stuff, and get out of here. My point is this. When we disobey God, when we act in our own will rather than in God's will, when we draw other people into our messes, into our storms, then we give those people the opportunity to turn around and point a finger of accusation and shame at the church. And when they point the finger at you, they're not pointing it at you. They're pointing at the God that you serve. And that's what happens here. You're supposed to be a godly man. You worship the real God, and yet you're the one who brought all of this on us. Jonah says, yep, I'm, I, I, I'm the reason why this has happened. Now, the next thing that Jonah does, some people think is, is noble. I don't. I don't think there's a noble bone in Jonah's body. Jonah says, just throw me over the boat. Th th throw me into the sea. And, and as soon as I'm gone, everything will be all right. Sounds noble at first glance. But what Jonah is really saying is I'd rather be dead than do what God said do. Think about it. You're in the middle of a storm. I, I got people around here. Y'all go fishing, right? Right? Terrell, y'all go fishing, and Mike, y'all go fishing. Y'all get out there on the water, and the water gets rough, and the storms are, are coming, and, and the waves are, are, are blowing, and, and the boat's going back and forth. Y'all say, well, I'm just going to jump in the water. I, I, I'll swim to shore. It, it'd be easier for me to swim to shore than it is for me to stay in the boat. Now, Jonah said, throw me overboard because Jonah wants to end this thing. Jonah's not saying, I want to go back and do what God told me to do. Jonah's not saying, I, does Jonah get down on his knees and pray? All the pagan folk are on their knees praying. Jonah says, all you got to do is throw me over. All the pagan folk are asking him about his God, his relationship with God. Jonah's response is, all you got to do is throw me over. You throw me over and everything will be all right. Jonah is suicidal. That, that's what I, I want you to see that. Jonah is to the point of suicide. For Jonah, it is easier, it is better to die than to serve. And I wonder, how many Jonas are out there? You know what's right. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? And instead of doing that, you say, I'd rather die. 
I'd rather die than love my enemy. I'd rather die than bless those who have cursed me. I'd rather die than do good to those who hate me. I would rather die my way than live God's way. It's a terrible choice. It's a choice made out of futility. It's a choice made out of ultimate rebellion and unwillingness to follow the leadership of God. He says, throw me overboard and everything will be fine. Now, get the next part of this. Even though he tells them to throw him overboard, they won't do it. He said, no, no, we ain't going to do that. We're going to find a way out of this. And they start rowing. And they row with all their might. They row with all their vigor. They row with all their energy, believing that if they row hard enough, they can get to shore. Now, they can't get there. The scripture says that the harder they rowed, the harder the storm hit. The harder they rowed one way, the more God led them out the other way. But I commend them for trying. Because they valued Jonah's life more than Jonah valued his own life. Now we're, we're, we're not going to throw you overboard. That would be inhumane. We're not going to throw you overboard. That would be cruel. We're not going to throw you overboard. That would be a crime. We're not going to throw you overboard. That would be a sin. We're not going to throw you overboard. That would be just plain wrong. And how twisted is it when the world can appreciate right and wrong more than the church? Understand now, in, 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 in this story, for our purposes, Jonah represents the church. I didn't make that point clear early on. If I, if I didn't, let me make it clear now. Jonah represents us. And Jonah, representing the church, is saying, it would be better for me to die my way than live God's way. One of the problems with, the, with many local churches today is that they're dying their way rather than living God's way. They're dying closed-minded, closed fists, closed hearts because they'd rather die that way than live God's way. They're dying saying, we ain't never done it like this and we never will do it like this. They're dying saying, it's always been this way and it's gonna always be this way. They're dying saying, they ain't got no business in us as church. They're dying. And they're okay with dying because they're too mean to submit to God and live. Jonah says, throw me overboard. What could Jonah have said other than throw me overboard? Jonah could have gotten on his knees and said, Lord, forgive me and spare these people. 
Jonah could have said, Lord, I repent of my sin and of my foolishness. And I believe most people with, with common sense, when you find yourself in a storm and the ship is about to break up, I think most people have common sense enough to say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm wrong, Lord, save me. When Peter was out there on the water and he started to sink, Peter had sense enough to say, Lord, save me. But Jonah is so mean. You know folk like that? So mean that Jonah can't say I was wrong. Jonah can't say, God, I'm sorry. Jonah can't say, God, I'm going to do things differently. Jonah can't say, God, if you get me through this storm, you know how we do when we get ourselves in a mess. Lord, you get me through this mess, you never have to worry about me doing this again. Jonah's too mean. Instead, Jonah says, throw me overboard. They rode. They paddled. They did everything they could to try to get to shore, to try to get out of the storm. The more they did, the worse the storm became until finally they realized we're fighting not against the storm. We're fighting against the God who caused the storm. And that's a fight we can't win. You need to recognize that there's a difference between fighting storms and fighting the God who caused the storm. See, you might be able to prevail over a storm. But if God's the one who caused the storm, and he is, then just like he caused that one, when you come out of that one, there's going to be another one. And another one after that. And another one after that. Because you, you might be able to get out of this, but you can't get away from God. And finally, they decided we have no choice. We have to throw him overboard. And they did so reluctantly. The scripture says that, that they threw him overboard. And they said essentially what judges say when they sentence people. May God have mercy on your soul. And then as they threw him overboard, the scripture says that when the, when, 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 when the storm calmed, Jonah hits the water, storm goes away. And they realized they were in the presence of God. And all these people who've been worshiping all these other idol gods, they stopped worshiping all the idols. And you know who they started worshiping? They started worshiping Jonah's God. You, you, you ever see the movie The Ten Commandments? You, you remember the scene after Pharaoh's army has drowned in the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh comes back to, 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 to Egypt and, and he goes up to the throne and he sits down and, and his wife, that low-down woman, said, said, said to him, uh, you couldn't even bring him back. You couldn't defeat him and his God. And, and Pharaoh says, his God is God. That's what these folk on the ship said. When, 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 when Jonah hits the water, the storm stops. And they realize Jonah's God is God. Now, I'm going to tell you something crazy. I got three minutes. Don't, don't, don't get ready to go yet. I got three minutes. I'm going to tell, tell you something crazy. Even in your mess, even in your storm, even in your trial, your trial has the potential of bringing somebody into the presence of God. There are folk 
who will not ever walk into the doors of this sanctuary. But they'll watch something happen in your life. And they'll come to recognize. They won't be able to sing Amazing Grace. They won't be able to quote John 3.16. But you know what they'll know? There's something about that God. And I have a healthy... If it's not anything else, they'll have a healthy respect for God. God can use anything to draw anybody. And in the case of Jonah, he uses Jonah's rebellion. He uses Jonah's sinfulness. He uses Jonah's stubbornness. He uses Jonah's insensitivity. He uses Jonah's arrogance to lead an entire ship to the worship of God. You can't stop him even if you try. He's God all by himself. That's just chapter one. Wait till we get to chapter two next week. There might be someone here tonight who have to have him been a part of this Bible study who won't accept Jesus Christ as his personal savior. We're going to stand together and sing a verse of just as I am. And if there is one, we invite you to come. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that Thou biddest me come to Thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I Repeat after me, please. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.